just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my, uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. It's always doubt with us every year. And it's like, oh, well, the Saints can't do this because something or, you know, Drew's gone and it. Oh, I, I don't, I'm the wrong person to ask because I don't care. And I'm coming in every year thinking we're going to be the shit. What up? Welcome back to Black and Gold BS, the irreverent Saints podcast from Boot Crew Media. I'm Jacob Krasno alongside my trusty co-host, Sean Haspel. And uh, today we're bringing you a uh, the first of several off-season check-ins as uh, the Saints finally have a new offensive coordinator, or allegedly. We have allegedly hired, or will hire, 49ers passing game coordinator Clint Kubiak after he finishes coaching in the Super Bowl next week. Um, hopefully that works out and we hire him because – he was kind of the top candidate or one of the top candidates during the coaching search. Um, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm pretty excited about him, Sean. What are your thoughts? Yeah. um, Man, it's, it's just funny because like, I still feel like we're all collectively so down on DA that it, it's hard to, I mean, I use this phrase a lot on this pod, but like give him the benefit of the doubt. And it's like, he's, he sucks. And by extension, we suck until like we don't. Um, But I, I think it was like as reasonably as good of a hire um, as Clint Kubiak, as we could have hoped for. I think a lot of like smart people um, once the kind of candidate pool of like, 11, 12 guys who are known. I mean, there's, there's definitely some, some guys, especially probably from the college ranks that we talked to who just like didn't get reported. Um, but it was a big candidate pool. And of that pool, I mean, Kubiak was definitely at the top um, of the list. I think Zach Robinson, who ended up following, uh, what's his Raheem, name? Raheem, Raheem Morris. Morris. Yes. Which the Falcons. Um, was, terrible, was, was terrible hire. Terrible yeah. head coaching hire by the Falcons. I, Robinson scares me if they can find a good quarterback. But right. like Raheem Morris, like he wasn't he already the coach in Atlanta and they sucked. Yeah, he was their interim coach when they fired uh, um, Mike Smith midseason. So um, I think it was, was it Mike Smith or yeah, midseason. Mike Smith. Yeah, but um, and they ended up going with Dan Quinn. But um, yeah, I uh, I mean not to derail. Uh, our analysis of you know, Clint Kubiak, but uh, yeah, and until Atlanta finds a quarterback, um, it doesn't worry me. I, I do hope that they don't draft Jaden Daniels, because that would be uh, pretty frustrating potentially on a few different levels. But um, I would be heartbroken. Yeah, I would be absolutely heartbroken if that yeah. happened. Yeah, yeah. I, I may um, not. I, I won't be able to watch those games. I, I, I just can't do it. Oh God. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see, but, um, but it's not yeah. happening. He's going number two. He's going number two to the, the commanders. That's, oh, we're going to manifest that. I so, but, um, but so, yeah, so well, Zach Robinson, um, he's the Atlanta's new OC um, and uh, Clint Kubiak were like really one a and one B on a lot of people's um, lists. I, I think Dan pitcher who uh, ended up staying 
in Cincinnati uh, and being elevated to their OC after Brian Callahan got the head job in Tennessee um, was also up there, but it was also like kind of a no brainer, but it was also just kind of reported throughout that uh, DA has been enamored with the McVeigh Shanahan system. And um, even though uh, Kubiak only worked for Kyle Shanahan directly for one year uh, he's a pretty strong disciple of that like system like ironically because like yeah. his dad Gary Kubiak was Mike Shanahan's OC in Denver for all those years um, and right like, they won had, they won two Super Bowls with with John Elway right and then he will also was on the staff of the Broncos when Gary Kubiak was the head coach in 2015 when they won the Super Bowl with Peyton Manning yeah. so it's all very incestuous yeah so so the 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 larger shanahan system is like literally in clint kubiak's dna um and uh and yeah i I think he's uh, one thing that that actually did kind of set him apart from a lot of the other reported candidates is that he actually has experience as a play caller and a lot of these guys did they were play caller adjacent um, in, in right. their careers to this point, he was the play calling OC for the Vikings, um, in 2021, which saw, um, Dalvin cook had a great year. That was Justin Jefferson's big breakout year, like 1600 yards, 10 touchdowns. So if we can see, um, like great seasons from Alvin, Chris Olave, that'd be, um, pretty, pretty amazing, obviously. Um, well, one ironic thing about that season is that statistically the Vikings offense was actually worse right. than the saints were in 2023. Yeah. They ranked 12th overall. And I think this year the saints ended up being in the top 10. I think we were number eight, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think in, in yards we were top 10 offense. Um, but I think scoring uh, mostly held, held down by those really terrible red zone scoring numbers for the majority of the season. Um, I think we were more in the middle of the pack and scoring offense, which is obviously what matters most. So, um, so yeah, of course um, this, this year, the, the 49ers, they're obviously playing in the Super Bowl next week and uh, their offense is like number three overall. And like they're in the top, they're in the top five in all of the categories. Yeah. categories, and, And they're doing that with like a guy in Brock Purdy who like, I still believe is, a jag um and yeah. like it's a, a product of that system that is so highly highly and widely regarded so um so yeah and and i actually didn't realize that uh kubiak not that this is like a great resume piece but um he uh he was the passing game coordinator for the <laughs> doomed 2022 Denver Broncos and uh, took over play calling duties from Nathaniel Hackett as their season was spiraling uh, uh, midway through last um, two seasons ago. So, um, which they did improve. They improved statistically over that period of time. They they did improve, but I mean that, that, that whole team was a sinking ship anyway. So like, Oh, I know. Uh, I yeah. had uh, I had Jerry Judy on my yeah. my yeah. Uh, horrible 2022 fantasy team, which thankfully was eclipsed by my 2023 championship winning fantasy team. Well done. Led well by done. led by Clint Kubiak's own Christian McCaffrey. There you go. So, um, and yeah, but uh, 
So he's so he has those play calling skins on the wall, something that like Zach Robinson to this point doesn't have. We have no idea how Zach Robinson's going to be right. as a play caller. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, um, so I guess to answer your original question, like how do I feel about the hire? Are we excited about it? Like, yeah, I mean, I think we reasonably should be. Um, but there's still a lot of dominoes left to fall in terms of uh, the other coaching staff moves. How um, Clint is. Uh, able and allowed to fill out the rest of the offensive coaching staff, which uh, I don't remember. Um, I guess we, we, I don't think we've potted since a lot of those, those dominoes did fall, but um, no, we have things are, are currently looking for a uh, new wide receivers coach, new running back coach. And as of, I guess last night at the time of this recording, a new offensive line coach. So um, that is a bit daunting, but uh, at the same time, I, that was also potentially attractive to Clint Kubiak that he has the ability to build out the staff in his vision and um, bring in guys that he's comfortable with. I think an easy place to start is to look at some of the um, look at the Niners' current staff, the guys who are like assistant position coaches who um, Kubiak's worked with this year, and 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 some of them coincidentally he's actually worked with before. Um, and he could bring them along to be full-time assistants. Uh, one name that um, has been mentioned, and you and I have discussed it as well, is uh, bringing uh, James Craig back to Louisiana. James Craig, for uh, any listeners that we do have that might be LSU fans, they might remember him as LSU's O-line coach from uh, 2018 to 2020. So obviously in the in the middle of his tenure, uh, saw him oversee the uh, 2019 LSU O-line that won the Joe Moore Award um, as the best O-line in the country. And like goes without saying was a was was vital um, among other other uh, pieces of that uh, legendary offense. So um, yeah, it would be cool to see him uh, come back uh, to Louisiana. I think um, uh, he he worked with Kubiak this year. Um, they'd actually worked together previously in Denver um, before uh, uh, Craig joined LSU. And then um, he actually predated uh, Kubiak in San Francisco this year. He, he joined San Francisco as their assistant line coach in 2022, uh, coinciding with the arrival of Christian McCaffrey. So he has played a hand to some degree in helping um shape that running game to Christian McCaffrey. And we have a somewhat similar version of Christian McCaffrey in, in our locker room in, in Alvin Kamara. So um, having a, an O-line coach be um, like synergistic. I don't know if that's a word, but I, I use it anyway um, with our play calling OC um, and really kind of um, revamping our, our much, uh, much need to revamp of our running game around Alvin. Uh, would would be a pretty big deal. So potentially James Craig could be a name to watch for a new online coach. Another name that's been floated around is Rick Dennison, who is another like longtime like Kubiak Shanahan world Broncos um, like name. He was like the longtime offensive line coach of of those Broncos teams, and then followed Kubiak to the the Texans, I, b- I believe. Um, he was actually with Clint Kubiak and Gary. Um, if in those like uh, 2018, 19, 20, 21, well, uh, 2020 Vikings teams. Um, but he was 
let go uh, from the Vikings the year that Clint took over as OC because he refused to get the COVID vaccine. So um, I'm sure he'll fit in perfectly. Right. And so on airline drive. Right. So (laughs) their, their running game suffered. So he's, he's been a name that's been mentioned by the uh, Saints happy hour podcast and the, uh, and the um, Nick Hill as a potential O-line coach. So definitely options there, but uh, we will also need a new receivers coach a new running backs coach. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see how the staff gets filled out there. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just poach everybody from the 49ers, <laughs> whatever they're doing, we need to do. And yeah. It's interesting. You know, this is something that Sean Payton always tried to do when hiring defensive coordinators, he would figure out which defenses gave the offense fits. And then he would try to hire someone who ran that system. And he finally did when we hired Rob Ryan in 2013 we tried to run a three four and it worked worked for one year and then the wheels kind of fell off but that was more of a rob ryan problem historically his defenses were always really good in their first year and then they kind of fell off after that so dennis allen's doing the same thing his these these uh mcveigh shanahan offenses have always befuddled his defenses they use a lot of motion and play action and they confuse the defense and they try to the goal is to try to uh, have the defense show their cards by following people around uh, while they're in motion and make life easier for the quarterback. Um, so ostensibly, Derek Carr is a better talent than Brock Purdy is. So like <laughs> this should work, but obviously that remains to be seen. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what you said was interesting though, is that like, we also need the personnel to run the scheme. Yeah. And it is like, there's going to be, it's going to be interesting because uh, it certainly looks like Michael Thomas will be gone. Um, and are we going to roll with AT Perry as our like big X position receiver um, next to Alave and Shahid going forward? I don't know. Like you need blocking receivers to run this scheme. Um, and I don't know if we really have that at the moment, um, obviously the Niners like have George Kittle, who, um, is, is a great receiving threat, but also a, a dominant blocking tight end. Yeah. Uh, we don't really like Juwan Johnson is not that. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see like how, like, like what give and take there is between the system and the roster that we have currently and how the system is shit like modified and how our roster is modified and to hopefully meet in the middle. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's going to make for a fun off season because yeah. anytime a new coordinator comes in, there's going to be personnel changes uh, in terms of the roster. Right. And like, yeah, it's really sad. Michael Thomas, he's probably gone. We can talk about that in a few minutes, but like I, it would not shock me if we drafted a receiver at 14. Like if, if one of these like stud receivers is still on the board, then like we might bring them in to be like a bona fide number two. And I'm, yeah. I'm looking at you, Brian Thomas Jr., the LSU product who is a good blocker and led the nation in touchdown yeah. catches last year. Like that would be – I, I, would, I would cream my pants if, if we drafted him. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see um, – it's – I mean – so much of what we need, it could be determined on what happens in free agency. And, and also like weirdly, 
I mean, we could do a whole podcast about this, but like the Marshawn Lattimore situation um, and the fact that we've rejiggered his contract to make it more tradable. But at the same time, that trade financially couldn't really happen until like later this offseason, like after the draft. Right. So in a sense, if we do draft a corner or a nickel high, you can pretty much see that that means the end of Marshawn Lattimore because the theory would be that um, Adebo played very well last year and they trust him to be there. They would trust him to be their CB one. Whether we keep Alante Taylor in the slot or bump him back outside that's another big question hanging over the secondary. Alante definitely struggled um, in some pretty high leverage situations in the slot, notably against the McVay offense. Um, but um, do they do they keep him here and try to continue to double down on that setup um, and, dra- and maybe draft an outside corner um, or draft a nickel and bump Alante outside? So, um, yeah, uh, lots of moving pieces um, there. Um, do we – bring back Zach Bond's a free agent. Do we let him walk or do we try to bring him back at a reasonable number to help with the pass rush? Um, and yeah, I think Zach, options. Zach Bond is a, like, he's a must, you must resign Zach Bond because our yeah. pass rush was horrendous last year and he played pretty well yeah. um, in those, in those, you know, down and distance situations where you're going after the quarterback. Definitely. And like, if you don't bring him back, then I think you you have to draft an edge rusher pretty high, and you really should be trying to make a splash in free agency to try to get like you know a hundred million dollar pass rusher, like a Daniel Daniel Hunter potentially. Yes, um, someone yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, here's what here's my thing about Marshawn Lattimore. It what they did with his contract was they just restructured it so that it would make it easier to move him if they wanted to move him. But what I'm hoping for and wondering is if he was part of this uh, alleged locker room mutiny that almost happened towards the middle of the season. Mm -hmm. And he's kind of waiting to see what happens with the team and whether or not, he wants to remain a saint or yeah. if he wants to be traded to someone that he views as a contender. Um, and I would think that a higher like Clint Kubiak would mean he, he is more likely to stay. If this is indeed what's happening, that if he's happy with what's been done with the offense and thinks the team is moving in the right direction, we'll keep him. And like, I, I just, it's going to be such a PR nightmare for them if they have to trade Marshawn Lattimore because he's he he is arguably the best cornerback in the NFL when he's healthy. And yeah, he's up there. He makes our defense he gives our defense the, the chance to be elite. Yeah. And yeah. I just I can't imagine that <laughs> they would they would trade him for, you know, pennies on the dollar after the draft is over in June. Mm-hmm. 
like it's just going to be such a it's going to be another like PR dumpster fire for the team. And I think I think they're going to throw the kitchen sink at him to get him to want to stay. Yeah. Yeah, I I hope everything that you're saying is what has happened and how it will play out. Um I'm not sure that that is how it will go down. Um, yeah, of course. All right, but and 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 to, like to your point though about it being like such a PR nightmare, it's going to be like tied fairly or not to like the Michael Thomas situation, and that he is. We're almost certainly going to let him walk as a free agent and take like the cap hit uh, that comes with it, um, just because I think he's probably burned too many bridges um, with the front office coaching staff, Derek Carr himself. I mean, even though like Derek Carr, he gave that interview a few days ago, which basically saying that he was like frustrated that Michael Thomas aired his grievances uh, publicly as opposed to just calling him. Um, but he's like, I still, he like put on his like youth pastor preacher man he's like i still love him and i like, want the best for him and um I don't know. um do you think Derek carr really sounds like that he sounds so like, like fucking johnny bravo like right it's it's <laughs> it's hilarious so i like he did a podcast in i think it was the off season it was like before this this past season started after he'd signed with the saints with his i think it's like his nephew i think it's david's son or maybe the other brother's son um and they were like messing with him about his like the way he talks and like <laughs> i guess he i mean he he knows that he sounds ridiculous but he's like it's just the way i talk um like you know he was he was born in in uh bakersfield uh like said is that considered northern california or like central california i think bakersfield is kind of it's like in that like no man's land between yeah. like true Northern California and like Southern California. Yeah. Like, yeah. So, okay. So for people who like are unfamiliar with the geography of California, basically like SoCal is the, the metropolis that is just the never ending highway sprawl city of Los Angeles and direct good just goes directly into San Diego. And then there's like nothing between LA and San Francisco. And then like San Francisco is really the only like big city in Northern California. It's just like farmland. Like most of California is very rural and uh, actually like kind of conservative. Yeah. Um, so like, like Bakersfield is like a fucking podunk town. Yes. Um, well, so he's from there, but he actually spent most of his like formative years and like high school football career in like the greater Houston area after where his family moved to after uh, David went to the Texans. So, um, so I guess that's like where like his Southern accent came from kind of, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a weird deal. And then yeah. like he's like the whole, I don't know, like his whole preacher man shtick. And I mean, like, I, I'm not like doubting, like, I know he like is like very pious and devout and like really believes the stuff um that he's saying and uh but it's i mean just someone as someone who like definitely did not personally like grow up in that world it's it can be like a little like okay dude like whatever but um 
yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. Yeah. So, um, but I, I don't want to yeah, derail the podcast, but, um, and, and, and so I don't know. And he like, Derek made some like kind of pithy Instagram posts just being like, like everyone's like doubting us, but like we finished the year strong and like rally together. And then like you saw a handful of his teammates, like in the comments, like supporting him and stuff. So, so I don't want to, it's like, he definitely, I mean, it would be foolish to say that Derek Carr is like universally loved in the locker room. And they're like, were like very obvious, like public moments of confrontations that like we never saw in like 15 years of Drew Brees quarterback in this team. Um, and then like, weird like throwing like Chris Lava into the bus and that was one of the things that Mike Mike and like Mike Thomas's latest uh, twi- uh Twitter rantings like has said that like he like very intentionally stood up for Chris Olave after Carr threw him under the bus Carr and Dennis Allen threw him under the bus in the uh what game was that the the one where he threw the ball was it the Jaguars or was that um God I can't even remember I don't know but the one game where like it was debatable whether like Olave ran the wrong route car or car made a bad throw slash read um, and threw the ball out of bounds. So um, I don't know, but obviously Derek Carr has like a decent amount of support in the locker room. And uh, (sighs) and, and the other reports are that we'll, um, we're going to be restructuring his contract. So basically we have him for this year um, and 2025. Um, so we're kind of, it's the Derek Carr show, whether we really want it to be or not. Um, yeah. We've, we've doubled down on the altar boy. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe we'll draft uh, Arch Manning in, uh, in two years and he can be the oh quarterback of the future. So. Oh my God. Um, but so many, so many babies will be conceived on draft yeah. night if that happens. Yeah. Have my um, second kid. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's just so sad the way things have turned out with Michael Thomas, and like, yeah, I personally love that he called everybody out on Twitter. Like, I find it to be yeah. a refreshing. It is refreshing. Breath of 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 fresh air. Like I'm tired of Mickey Loomis giving these like obnoxious gum smacking uh, hour long press conferences where he says absolutely nothing. Yeah. Like it's nice to, to get a peek behind the veil yeah. and like, I, I don't want to hear any of this shit. It's like, Oh, it's unprofessional. Like who fucking cares? Like this is new Orleans. Like who cares about being professional? Yeah. We were putting bounties on people. We're petty as fuck. Like you can't, t- like I, I, you you don't have a leg to stand on. If you were mad about Da apologizing to Arthur Smith for like mm-hmm. the Saints doing something that's viewed as unsportsmanlike, and then in the same breath you say that like Michael Thomas should shut the fuck up because like he shouldn't be airing team business on Twitter. You can't have it both ways. Yes. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. I I mean that's pretty much my read of it too. Like Michael Thomas's like unrelenting passion and like borderline psychotic drive to be great was what fueled those like 17, 18, 19, 20 teams. And um like 
That's yeah. what football is about. Like football is not about praying at midfield. Football yeah. is about being violent and like destroying your opponent yes. and imposing your will. <sighs> and yeah, Michael, and Michael Thomas also understood new and understands. It's, he still understands New Orleans and its fans. Like, right. He's done so much good for this team and this franchise and has given me so much like happiness and joy that like I like I, I don't care what he does. Like he's he's good in my book right. forever. Yeah, he's stamped. I, I no, I agree. Um and like yes, like we can like rationally know that like the NFL is like, oh, what have you done for me lately? Business and like he hasn't had a like true difference making season since 20 like 2019 2019 yeah when he set the record yeah the receptions record but like i don't know i just can't get mad at him like like he just is like a deeply passionate person and like as frustrated as like fans and like the team have been like with his injuries and struggles and like man like maybe like he wasn't always like rehabbing in the way that he should have been but like he feels bad about that like like he this has all been harder on him i guarantee it than on anybody else so yeah um so yes if he's frustrated on twitter and like shows his ass a little bit like who the fuck cares like he's the greatest receiver in saints history and to like i don't know like you can't just like like i Yes, he, like, obviously has his, like, version of history. But, like, I feel like when he raises concerns, you can't just, like, hand wave that away because he's been hurt. Like, he's a guy who, like, built this place. Oh, no. I have a crying daughter, but (laughs) she's passionate about Michael Thomas too. So, um, man. Yeah. So yeah. Like I never root for saints players when they go play for other teams. Mm -hmm. Cause you're fucking dead to me when you leave the city, but he is one person I will make an exception for. And like when, when he fucking signs with the chiefs next year, and he has 150 yards against us in the Superdome and is fucking spitting on and pissing on Isaac Yadam and flexing over his fucking dead body on the field. Like, I will clap for Michael Thomas. I will clap for that man. I will clap my hands. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's a story we can't tell on the pod. Maybe no, one day. No. I will um, clap my hands. Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, how can you – you can't forget the Joe Horn no. cell phone tribute. And right. you know what else? You, one one thing I regret is – and I think it was like 2018 or 2019, his like official online store had these T-shirts where it was like his body flexing uh, like superimposed into the No Limit Records logo. Yeah. And it was one of the coolest fucking shirts I've ever seen, yeah. and I didn't buy one. And that when I saw that, I was like, this dude gets it. He yep. understands New Orleans and the people. And I love you, Michael Thomas. Uh, I wish you luck wherever you yeah, decide man. to go next. I, I, yeah, I, I co-sign all that. I wish him luck, health, and success wherever he goes. I mean, 
hopefully it's not like one of our top rivals, but and like, <laughs> I mean, seeing him on the Chiefs would be like cool as hell. Um, but uh, so yeah, we'll there'll, there'll be more to talk about there, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay. So one one other thing I want to talk about before I release you to your daughter who is helpless and and needs your love and care is. So like there's the football, the X's and O's side of hiring Clint Kubiak, but there's also like the existential ramifications of this and like, Mm -hmm. you know, the, the thing that the team has to sell to the fans yeah, and like how we have to reconcile our hatred of Dennis Allen and (laughs) whether or not we are going to root for this team in 2024. Um, And I think I, I, I was texting this to you yesterday. Like, I think I'm starting to understand what airline drive is trying to do with Dennis Allen. Mm-hmm. You know, there have been some tweets uh, making the rounds the last 24 hours or so about how statistically, uh, and we kind of knew this anecdotally, but Dennis Allen is the best defensive play caller in the NFL, say what you will about his, by one metric. Yeah. 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 Like, you know, say what you will about his ability to lead men and, and be like a, you know, PR figurehead for the team. Um, Like he's a good defensive coordinator. He's, he is arguably the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. And I think because of uh, the team's, the, the brass's loyalty to him and his, his ability to coach a defense, my theory is that Mickey Loomis wants to see Dennis Allen's defense paired with an elite offense. And unless and until that happens, they're not going to fire him. They want to give him a chance. Um, and I think this is like like hiring Clint Kubiak. And if it had been pitcher or Zach Robinson, like a guy like that, pairing him with Dennis Allen is what they wanted to sell to the fans. Yeah. And honestly, like, I'm listening, you know, I still hate Dennis Allen as a head coach, but like I can, I can get excited about this. I can ignore him and his like stupid inane comments and focus on what Kubiak is going to do with the offense of 2024. Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I'm, I don't think they would like to say this, but you can kind of like, if you like squint a little bit, you can kind of like see the vision that, that they almost view this moment um, as like Saints circa like heading into 2009 where like we had three evi- three years of evidence that like Sean Payton and Drew Brees were like lead, like our offense was going to be one of the best in the NFL like year in and year out. But yeah. we needed to bring in a defensive mind to like shake things up and like have true ownership over that side of the ball um, and shape it in their vision, which is what we got in Greg Williams for better and for worse. It turned out, but um, I love almost, Greg Williams. He's a fucking he, he, like, whatever, you know, yeah. enough time has passed. Oh yeah. 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 Like whatever. <laughs> but like, I mean, like kind of gate was a sham. Like we don't need to relapse like that. But, yeah. Um, the, uh, like you could basically say that like we're current, like the moment we're currently in is the flip side of that is that even, even though like DA as a head coach, as we like, like to always bring up, uh, 
has never sniffed the uh, success that Sean Payton had in 2006, he's, he has been and still is, like, from his D.C. days and in his head, like, the last two years as a head coach, like, led one of the consistently top defenses in the NFL. But, and it's actually kind of funny that he, D.A., almost, like, now that I'm remembering, he almost kind of, like, floated this notion in his end-of-season press conference that, like, the offenses needed fixing even before his head coach, like, he took over his head coach, like, basically, like, being like, this has been a problem for, like, this was, like, Sean Payton's, like, problem, too. But so, like, he and the team needs a an offensive mind to come in, take ownership, and reshape that side of the ball. And, like... Will Clint Kubiak be the offensive version of Greg Williams to like make the team like complete and like truly play complementary football? We'll find out. I mean, that's that's I feel like that's the proposition. Like, yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's funny. Like the the Clint Kubiak thing is like, yeah. Like on one hand, um, he's like. Yeah, he's like coming from like this like vaunted system and like might have a Super Bowl ring in in a week and like we'll find out and uh, like it's gonna shake things up. It's like other hand, it's like he's like thirty seven years old and like arguably a nepo baby and um, <laughs> and like has only been a true offensive coordinator for one year and like that year was kind of like bleh. So it's like I feel I feel like it could go either way, which is like a larger metaphor for like the whole like Dennis Allen experience this year. So I'm like largely Zen about it. Cause I feel like it's either going to work or it's not. And I, I guess there is the worst case scenario would be basically like our offense, like our, obviously like the X's and O's are offense. Like the scheme is going to completely change, but like the results aren't like, dramatically better or like maybe they're a little better but the defense takes a step back and so we like go like nine and eight again and like miss the playoffs again and we and we're stuck with their car for another year and it's just like we're like in like triple per like third year purgatory in a row like that would be um the worst case scenario like i would much rather like one side of the ball fails spectacularly and we have a terrible year and dennis allen is for sure fired than that um but yeah yeah i mean you could look at it as a win 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 situation either it all works and we win and who fucking cares if dennis allen is like a you know a molten rotten puddle of vanilla ice cream if we win no one's gonna give a shit um we could uh, lose Clint Kubiak and he could sign with somebody else after the Super Bowl. He could go to Washington. Well, that, and yeah. like that if, would be disastrous. If that happens, I, I cannot imagine <laughs> Saints Twitter if like the handshake deal that we apparently have with Kubiak like falls apart and he like goes to the commanders. I, I, I couldn't imagine just the level of nuclear holocaust that would occur. It's like, it's going to be real bad if it happens. I don't think that will happen, but 
like it because that looks i mean it looks bad for kubiak too yeah if he does that and then like the third scenario is that it doesn't none of it works in 2024 and everybody gets fired anyway right. and and we get to start all over again yeah which, for better or worse it would probably yeah. suck but well so ironically like if we do like there's a real good chance that if if like kubiak's is smashing success we're having to hire a new OC a year from now anyway, because he's going to get a head coaching job. So I feel like if that happens, like I, I, that, that would be a situation I'd be willing to deal with, but um, it's just ironic how that works. So um, we'll see if DA can hit, hit another home run at OC hire if that happens. But it's just funny because in our, like our, I feel like our preseason, our like a read of, our like preseason read going into this past year, was that like this was Da's, this was Da's shot. Like we got his quarterback. You drafted a bunch of guys and signed free agents that addressed the needs that like he as a defensive minded guy like needed, and you like brought in like his like defensive coaches from like his past stops, and you're in the weakest division. And so it's like playoffs or bust. Like, I, I mean, very much remember our, like, laying down our markers that, like, we were like, we, we basically are going to have to win the NFC South because, like, the NFC is going to be too good for us to be a wild card. Um, and, like, that ended up, like, being true to an extent. But, like, the NFC, like, wasn't even that, like, really that good. But we, we did need to win the division. And, and, and then we obviously didn't. And so it's like, okay are we just like doubling down on that? Like for this upcoming year, it's like, okay, DA, you have all of these pieces again. We like went out and got like this hotshot new OC, like your handpicked OC and like letting him bring in like his offensive staff, like all the old Peyton guys are gone. What, like, what now, you know, like, what are you going to show us? So, um, I, we, we still think the NFC is not going to be good next year again. Um, and it really is like Groundhog Day. It's crazy, um, man. Like the movie, you know, like the first time Bill Murray experiences the day for a second time and Stephen Tobolowski, uh like flags him down on the street. He's like, hey, Bill, Bill Connors. Like he he thinks, you know, it's weird. And then it keeps happening over and over again. And then. And then he just went insane and just tried to kill himself and was telling people he was a god. And is that going to be us next year in, in 2025 when we have a top 10 offense and defense and miss the playoffs after going eight and nine? Man, if that happens, like, yeah. Truly and Mickey, Mickey, in like in next year's press conference at the end of the season, Mickey Loomis is chewing gum and smoking a cigarette, telling us that we're just so close and that, like, if Hugh Jackson had just been born as Bill Belichick, like he would have been a Super Bowl champion coach. Like crazy, crazy <laughs> man. Yeah, but never, never a dull moment in insane Saints <laughs> fandom. No, I think it was a uh, uh, Ryan Dat Boy Wolf um, from the Saints Happy Hour or in the uh, Saints Block Party podcast who like had that famous tweet. It was like. With the Saints, there's always some like shenanigans, like nuance or some something crazy going on. But that's my team, though. 
yeah. Yeah. I think we're going to be ready to get hurt again. Yeah. Let's go. Anything else you want to get off your chest? No. I mean, um, the, the senior bowl was, uh, this past, uh, weekend or this weekend. And, um, uh, the Saints love drafting players from the Senior Bowl, so uh, as we like headed in draft season, um, just keep an eye on the names of the guys who were there. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what route we go. But uh, yeah, it's a big off season for the Saints. Uh, not a ton of draft picks, and we got to uh, hit on them and um, some uh, interesting decisions to be made, free agency, and I guess pending trades. So. Uh, Show us what you got, DA. Michael Thomas, if you're out there listening, uh, you're always welcome to come on our podcast. And you can literally say whatever you want. That's right. It's it's okay. It's okay. All right. Well, uh, happy Mardi Gras, everyone. If you're stuck in parade traffic or if you're flooded into your house or flooded into your car somewhere in New Orleans, uh, you should listen to this podcast to try to pass the time. That's right. Don't drive through floodwaters, people. It's, it never works out. So, no. Um, yeah. Well. All right. Well, thanks to Bryce for remaining on as producer in the off season. Um, who knows if he's here or not, lurking in the shadows. Thanks to our sponsors for last season: Zapardo's Family Market and AGI Specialty Valves. Hopefully, we can get him back for next year. For Allison and Sean. I'm Jacob, and this has been Black and Gold BS. Until next time, who dat? Who dat?